Give a little bit of a recruiting update on some 2022 and 2023 kids for the Ducks and who Dan Lanning and company are looking at. Plus, a mailback question about Oregon head men's basketball coach Dana Altman. All that coming up today, plus a quick check-in on spring sports. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, Duck fans. It is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Like and subscribe the channel, the podcast, everywhere that we are available for you. Five-star reviews, nice comments. We like those as well. So what's next for Oregon in the class of 2023 when it comes to recruiting at the quarterback position now that Nico Iamaleava has committed to Tennessee and appears to be, you know, going to the volunteers. And I say appears to be because there's still a lot of time, though I think even more so than most verbal recruits or verbal commitments, he's going to to stay committed to Tennessee. That's certainly the way that that it would appear given the NIL rumors and yada, yada, yada. We've talked about that plenty here on the show. So what's next, right? I mean, Oregon did not bring in a quarterback in the class of 2022 in the high school recruiting ranks. We, of course, brought in Bo Nix, but Robbie Ashford left the program and Anthony Brown is no longer an Oregon Duck. So the quarterback room is, you know, Bo Nix, Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield, and that's sort of it. So you could certainly make a compelling argument that is kind of a position of need for the Ducks from a high school recruiting standpoint, looking at the class of 2023. I'm not opposed at all to bringing in transfer quarterbacks. I'm willing to give Bo Nix a chance if he ends up being the starter. I'm not going to be on the side of like, oh, no, we shouldn't have brought him in. We need to go wrong guy. I'm not like that. I just want whoever's going to be the best available player at the position to be out there for the Ducks come 2022. If that's Bo Nix, great. Let's see what he can do. If it's Ty Thompson, great. If it, it would be a surprise. But if it's Jay Butterfield, great. Whoever the coaching staff decides the best guy, I want him to succeed. So Oregon fans, I think, are in this place where we want we, we want a homegrown quarterback. That's why a lot of fans want Ty Thompson. We want the next Mariota, the next Justin Herbert. And those guys are really hard to find. We think that we might have that in Ty Thompson, but maybe we don't. Not every four or five star quarterback as Ty Thompson was pans out the way that you want them to. But just from a depth perspective, Oregon should be looking at quarterback in the class of 2023. And given how close they were to getting Nico Yamaleava and how close they are, not close per se, but how aggressively they're pursuing other quarterbacks in the class. I think it's fair to say the coaching staff agrees that it's a position of need. So what's next at that particular position? The big name right now amongst Duck fans is Jaden Rashada, who is a five-star quarterback out of the state of California. And he's got the momentum right now amongst Duck fans. And understandably so. You watch his tape, you see why he's a consensus five-star quarterback prospect. One of the five best in the class of 2023. He's uncommitted right now. He doesn't have any crystal balls. He is you know, definitely a guy that the Ducks could get if they were to make an aggressive push for him, but there are 22 other schools who have offered him as well. And, and by the way, Duck fans, for any of you out there who have 
lobbied for Jaden Rashad to Oregon, tweeting that sort of stuff out, getting in his mentions and whatnot, being positive, of course, never want to be negative or putting other schools down. Build up Oregon before you tear other schools down and such. Not saying I've seen that, just a general word of note. That's a great thing to do. I think that players notice that more than they would even let on, but it, it's something that is hard to ignore. I mean, as a 17, 18-year-old kid, it's hard to ignore what happens on social media. If you see Duck fans continuously coming at you, you think, man, they're really energetic. They, they, they really want me to come to the University of Oregon. So keep it up. Keep the momentum rolling as much as we can. we got to do our part on, on the recruiting trail as much as we can. Obviously, it's mostly about the the coaches and their relationships with the players and the scheme fit and all that sort of stuff. But a small percentage of the consideration, at least, is the fan base and the feel that these players get. So I say keep it up all, all the way. And um, Oregon right now is currently listed on 24-7 sports as a school that's quote-unquote cool on him. They have a couple designations. There's cool and then a uh, warm interest as well. There are seven schools who are warm on him, but according to 24-7, he hasn't taken uh, an official visit yet, so he's still a guy who could really go either way. It, well, not either way. One of 22 directions for schools that have offered him. If Oregon decides that they want this guy and want to make a, a big-time push, that's something I think they could absolutely do. Another name that's in there who's uh, uncommitted is Dante Moore. He's a five-star quarterback as well. Oregon has offered him. Rashad has got 22 offers. Moore has 34. I'm not saying Dante Moore. I mean, I would I would take Dante Moore. Any five-star quarterback prospect is going to have all the physical tools you need to succeed in the game of college football. But I think that when you look at the difference between the two, it's their location. Moore is from Michigan, and Rashada is from California. And Oregon, historically, and it makes a lot of sense, has had an easier time recruiting kids out of the state of California than from Michigan. It's an easier sell because... Guys who grew up in California will have watched more Oregon football, seen more Oregon football, you know, going to maybe Pac-12 games going up, maybe going up to Eugene if if that uh, if that was their desire for a guy like Jaleel Florence as well. And we've seen a lot of players from California come up to Oregon, not as many from Michigan. So that's a name to monitor Dante Moore, but Jaden Rashada is sort of the next prized quarterback prospect in the class of 2023 that Oregon is looking at. Who are the other recruits the Ducks are looking at right now? I'll tell you, but first I want to tell you about Stat Hero. I love March Madness. I, I love it. I do. It's my favorite sporting event in the world. The first two days, greatest two days of the year as a sports fan. But anyone take, uh, uh, I don't know, any team to win and didn't pick this Final Four, though there are some Blue Bloods in there for sure. But like me, your bracket probably busted right about now. Mine's not looking too good, but I still got some cash for my Stat Hero Pick'em. If you haven't checked out this new platform, you're really missing out. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pickums pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. The simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on for a 100% deposit match. That means you put X amount of dollars in there. They will match it 100% if you use that promo code locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match terms and conditions apply. So Rashad is the next big name at quarterback, but there are some other names floating around the program on the recruiting trail who are definitely worth monitoring. And there are three in particular who, who I'll touch on here right now. Josh Connerly Jr., the offensive lineman out of the state of Washington. 
he is announcing his commitment on April 8th. That is what he said. It's taken a while. I think that his uh, his mom recently gave birth to uh, a sibling for him. So he's been kind of in and around family right now. That's why I, you know, I've talked about him as late as I think two or three weeks ago, maybe because he's one of the biggest names still hanging out there for the class of 2022, a class that the Ducks somehow, some way have gotten into the top 25 nationally. He would boost that ranking even further should he commit to Oregon. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned a moment ago the, the success Oregon has had recruiting kids out of the state of California. And I remember during the Cristobal era, there was that sort of Cali flock you know, where it was a migration of kids going from Southern California in particular, where there's been a lot of great recruits over the years coming up to Oregon, guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, Justin Flo, now at Jaleel Florence as of late. And Oregon was able to do that because USC was down. And so now that USC's got Lincoln Riley, might be a little bit tougher, but Oregon was able to get Florence, who was down to Oregon and USC, if you remember. And I think that mattered a lot. You know, when you look at the state of a football program, if you can't bring in your hometown recruits, it's not a great indication. USC was down. Guess what? A lot of those L.A. kids were coming up to Oregon, and that was a big boon for the Ducks on the recruiting trail. Connerly is coming out of the state of Washington, where you don't have a ton of great recruits every year. I think more than you have in in the state of Oregon on a year-by-year basis. More tend to come out of the, the Seattle or state of Washington in general. And I can assure you that given that uh, Davey Uli, who's from the state of Washington, came down to the Ducks after Washington, I think was going after him, but Miami was as well. A couple other big time schools. That whole Cali flock movement didn't weigh lightly on the minds of USC fans. And if the Ducks can get Josh Connerly Jr., it will create more ripples amongst Husky fans because they're seeing a lot of their top in-state talent go elsewhere. And that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign that uh, in terms of branding for your program or just overall pedigree that guys are looking to go elsewhere instead of a power five school that oftentimes is up the road that might have grown up going to those sorts of games. So Connerly is down to uh, Washington, Miami, USC, Oklahoma, Oregon. Michigan's in there too, as you know, kind of one of the final six schools. I would be shocked if he went to Michigan. I, I think it's really down to five. The last visit that Connerly took to the big house was in September of 2021. That was, I'm trying to do math here. It was early September. So three, uh, it's like six and a half months, at least all, all, almost seven. Since then, they've lost their offensive coordinator and their head coach, Jim Harbaugh was open about the fact that he interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job. So I would be surprised if Michigan was still seriously in the mix. His most recent visit was to USC on the 25th. The one before that was to Eugene with the Ducks. Not predicting anything here, but if I had to choose between having a recruit's first visit or his most recent visit, I'd probably go with the most recent one because we're all guilty of it from time to time. Recency bias is a very real thing. So USC most most recent, but the Ducks second on there, both in the month of March here in 2022. I'd rather have the last word than the first. That's all I'm saying. And there's no uh, there's no strong sense out there for where Josh Connerly is going to go. That'd be a big, big commit for the Ducks. Uh, another guy who the Ducks could get, at, but probably not, is Levius Overton, the five-star defensive lineman whose brother is a, a Liberty transfer, a tight end slash defensive end or 
linebacker, I think. He's a top three player in the class of 2023. Looks like, according to 24-7, they've got some crystal balls that have him going to either Texas A&M or Oklahoma. So the Ducks probably not, not going to get him. I said a while ago on the pod that it was a long shot to get him and his brother, who are seen kind of as a package deal. It's trending in the direction that he'll go to one of the schools in the middle of the country. But another guy to keep your eye on, we've talked about here on the show before, five-star defensive end out of the state of Washington, Jaden Wayne. He is one of several recruits who will be at the spring game on April 23rd. So all Oregon fans in the state get to Autzen on April 23rd. It doesn't matter what other plans you have. Does not. Got to pack that place. And historically, Duck fans have done a good job of showing up to the spring game. And it's not just a good sign for the program and the players who are there or who are new to the team, but it's a big recruiting pitch. And Dan Lanning has made a big, big point of that in the last couple months about he wants to make that such an eventful day for Oregon and be a showcase for the program and make it be, you know, just a giant recruiting pitch essentially. And I think that that is something that duck fans are capable of doing. And it's something that we need to do, especially since this staff took over. I heard, uh, I, I saw a quote from Marshall Malkow, our, uh, our chief of staff. I always forget that term because I think it's politics only. But uh, our, our chief of staff for recruiting who comes over from Texas A&M, guy's, guy knows a thing or two about bringing high-end players to a Power 5 football program. He said that when the staff got there and uh, you know has, has kind of hit the ground running and taken over in the middle of a cycle, they're kind of six months behind on the recruiting trail, and they're trying to catch that up. But a big way that they can gain some ground in that sense is the spring game. So show up, be loud, be proud, and get to Autzen on April 23rd. All right, mailbag time, and we're talking Oregon basketball. This question comes from Duck Demon, and if you ever want a question answered here on the show, send them in. At Will is a good chance I'll be able to answer it here for you on Locked on Ducks. Tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod, or you can DM me down there, as you can see on YouTube, at Smalls underscore 55, or at Locked on Ducks. Those are the handles. Slide up right into the DMs. Ask me anything. Preferably about the Ducks, but if you want to ask me something else, by all means, fire away. You can push back on takes I have, too. I'm not the sort of guy who's going to just uh, ignore you as long as you're being polite, which, in my experience, all of you Duck fans have been, which has been nice to see. So, Duck Demon asks what I think is an interesting question. That's the Twitter handle that, uh, that he uses. He says, Dana Altman is a great coach, and we're lucky to have him. Have him. Why does he hang around at Oregon? Is a fascinating question because I, I talked about this in an episode a while ago about how Dan Lanning hopefully will follow the same trajectory as Dana Altman, which is they're both Midwestern guys originally. Dana Altman born in Nebraska, Dan Lanning in Missouri, and they've come up to Oregon now with no direct ties to the university. But Altman's now been here for 12 years and hasn't shown any signs of going anywhere else, even though he's widely considered one of at least the 10 best coaches in college basketball. He's been to a final four, 12 straight seasons with at least 20 wins is insane. Insane. I know it was a disappointing year this season, but when 20 wins is a disappointing season, that's what the big time blue blood programs do across the country. You know, Virginia won a national championship uh, a couple of years ago. They didn't get to the tournament this year, but we're still around the 20 win mark. Those are what the elite coaches do is, 20 wins is considered a down year. So could Dana Altman get a bigger job? The answer in short is yes. The long answer is both yes and no. He's a good enough coach 
to to win at I think any program in the country. He knows basketball very well, hits the recruiting trail hard, puts together good staffs. He sent a couple of assistants off to to be head head coaches elsewhere. That's a mark of a good coach as well. Uh, I mean, Mark Few just sent. Uh, I'm blanking on. Blanking on the Arizona basketball coach right now, Tommy Lloyd. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that, but you know, great coaches send assistants out to be head coaches, and they succeed as well. You, you talk about this in football most often, but it's true in any sport. Dane Altman, yeah, he's good enough to be a really good coach. Why does he stay with the University of Oregon? I'll tell you after I tell you about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four, and this year's national champion coming. This week, I know pretty crazy. You've got Duke, you've got Villanova, you've got Kansas, you've got North Carolina, the eight seed, just as we all predicted, right? Blue bloods galore. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info from all the latest odd contests and player props. You name it. They've got it at bet online, the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So Dana Altman has stayed at Oregon all this time, even though he's not from Oregon initially. He doesn't have a direct tie to the University of Oregon, of course, now that he does. So part of the reason that I think he hangs around is that bigger jobs than Oregon don't come available very often. And we know that the Ducks have the money and the facilities and the commitment to athletics to be a top tier athletics program writ large. And we've seen that baseball and softball are very good. Oregon has the athletics program that a lot of schools would, would really like to have, right? They're good across the board. And part of that is that they've been able to hire the right coaches. And Dane Altman has certainly become one of those coaches. So the reason that I think he stays is that better jobs haven't really become available. And I think timing has helped the ducks here a little bit because the Blue Bloods that you know we see in the Final Four right now, the Villanovas, North Carolinas, the Dukes of the world, they haven't had that many openings, right? I mean, Mike Krzyzewski is going to retire, but Duke is going to promote from within. Roy Williams retired, and they promoted from within, which I think makes a lot of sense. Bringing in an outsider to, to those schools with those fan bases sometimes can be a little bit tricky. But ultimately, what they want him to do is win. And Hubert Davis, first year with North Carolina, boom, he's in the Final Four. It looks to be a pretty good hire. So when you look at the other jobs that have come open over the last several years, because of Oregon's athletics department writ large being well-run and winning at a high level year in and year out, there haven't been that many jobs that have come open over the years that you would say are better. And when Dane Altman first got to Oregon and turned the program around, started winning, making NCAA tournament appearances, what he was able to do then was elevate Oregon's brand as a basketball program, right? Chip brought us onto the national stage even more so than Bilotti did for football. But Dane Altman has elevated the Oregon brand in basketball into a staple top 15, 20 program in the country. And so when you look at the jobs that have been hired just in the last few years, right, Texas came open, but by that time, was Texas a better job than Oregon in a basketball sense? Did they have a better history of winning as of late than Oregon did? No, I would say that they absolutely have not. They haven't been to a Final Four. They're hoping Chris Beard is a guy who can take them there, which he certainly can. He's a great coach at Texas Tech, and I think will do well at Texas. Already got them to win a tournament game in his first season, which is not 
an easy thing to do. And so when you look at the other hirings that have been made as of late, these are the list of schools. Just These are just either this year and the last couple of years that have come open. And as I read them off, just ask yourself, which one has a rich history of winning at basketball in a way that Oregon has not in the last decade specifically? Mississippi State, Oklahoma, they hired Porter Moser, the Loyola Chicago coach, Washington State, who hired Kyle Smith, and the one this year that came open, I mentioned Texas, the one that came open this year, Florida, won a couple national championships with Billy Donovan about, what was that, 15 years, oh my gosh, I think that was 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago, that's, okay, that's, sorry, that's absolutely crazy, I just kind of had that realization as I was recording the show, so that's one where maybe you could argue it, but in the last decade specifically, Oregon's just built themselves into an established brand in college basketball that wins year in and year out, a perennial favorite and contender in the Pac-12, and a lot of people see them year in and year out as a team that can get to the Final Four if they put the right pieces together. Teams saw that, or uh, media and coaches saw that about Oregon this year, and they just weren't able to live up to that sort of hype. So, of the ones that have come available, there haven't been any Blue Bloods because they've retained all their coaches. Bill Self at Kansas, Coach K at Duke, Roy Williams at North Carolina, now Hubert Davis. They've all, John Calipari at Kentucky as well. Louisville came open. I think that would be the one where he didn't go. But I think the other component of, of the fundamental question here that Duck Demon asked, which is, why does he hang around at Oregon? He clearly just likes it. And he's got everything that he needs. Because even a place like Louisville that did win a national championship with Rick Pitino in 2016, they beat Oregon in the Sweet 16 that year. Not the first time the Ducks have lost to the eventual national champions. It happens pretty often. They lost to Florida when they went to the Elite Eight with Ernie Kent. That team won a national championship. They lost to Virginia in the Sweet 16 a couple years ago. That team won the Natty and then Louisville in 2016 as well. So to beat the Ducks in the tournament, you might be, you might be doing things if you're a high seat. But nevertheless, I just don't think there have been any opportunities to come available when he might have been a high, uh, a very hireable candidate. You know what I mean? In, in sort of that two- or three-year phrase where he turns around the program, starts winning a high level. I'm sure he's gotten offers. I'm sure he's gotten calls. But the Oregon Athletic Department, I think the administration deserves credit here for making not just the financial commitments, but the resource commitments as well to give him what he needs to succeed. So he clearly believes, and I believe that he's – correct in, in thinking this way, that he has what he needs at Oregon to win a national championship. And we've seen that he does. He's built teams that are good enough to go that far, right? The final four team in 2016-17 was loaded. And that was all Dana Altman. He's had a chance to establish his culture, to establish a brand for Oregon basketball. And he's done that. He's given the time, he's given the resources, the opportunity to do that. And because he's a great coach, he's been able to do that. So there's no move really now that he could make in a realistic sense that would be, you know, even, even a lateral move. There, there just aren't that many. And what's the point of making a lateral move if you're going to have to start over the way he did at Oregon back in, in 2010 when he was hired? So, I think it's a fascinating question to look at how he has become Oregon's all-time winningest coach and really the face of Oregon basketball, the identity of Oregon basketball. People on a national level in the media, coaches, players, they know the name Dana Altman really, really well. 
but it's because he's been given the opportunity to flourish and he's done so. And boy, what, what a great hire that was back in, in 2010. So I appreciate the question, Duck Demon. Keep them coming, Duck fans. Hashtag ask LOD pod or at duck D- or at locked on ducks or at smalls underscore 55 on Twitter. Ending today's show with a quick recap of some exciting things that took place over the weekend. So Oregon softball is just rolling right now. They're 24 and five. They're ranked number 11 in the country. They've won five of their last six. Baseball had a thriller on Sunday. They had a three game series with USC. They won the first, then lost the second six to five. And then down six, one through six innings on Sunday, they stranded a guy in the second in the sixth inning. They played six. They're down five runs. They come back to win seven, six and win the series. I think not just big for their record against a Pac-12 opponent, but big for their momentum to kind of keep it rolling because they've been playing very well. They can really hit the ball. Pitching hasn't been there consistently. If the Ducks can find that, the offense can keep up with basically anybody in the country, but they were helped by a four-run eighth inning. Colby Summers came in Summers came in and shut the door in the ninth. That's Oregon's closer. That was uh, quite the comeback they had and, and fun to see as well. So they've got a two-game series with San Francisco starting on Tuesday, which is the day that this episode drops. And if you're listening around that time, then you can check in and see how they're doing or if you're listening after as well. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.